I can't believe she's really gone. Look around you. All of this is ours. I don't think so. <laughs> What's the matter, Dina? Don't you recognize your own mother? Welcome to Welcome to Storybrook, book more. <laughs> this is book six. We're recording this further in advance than usual. Uh, during Christmas break, we were lucky enough to uh, get to see my parents, and we have a special guest star, which is one of the reasons I'm going to be swearing a lot less than I normally do. <laughs> you are? Um, I'm, I'm planning on it, yes. Okay, well, we'll see how that goes. So, uh, I'm yep. Max. And I'm Tina. And I'm Beryl. I'm Max's mother and Tina's mother-in-law. Yeah. Yes, and uh, this is the episode Mother, and it is dropping on Mother's Day. Which is something we absolutely planned when we dropped our very first episode. <laughs> it's just not a really, really good coincidence that we got the chance to record this. So, yeah. uh, we're about we're recording this what a season before this actually comes up. In real time, we just dropped the first episode of book five, and this is towards the end of book six. So, any running jokes or segments that we have in this uh, episode are just going to be not in this one. Also, we're going to be a bit fuzzier on what happens in the beginning of this story arc because we haven't watched it since we started watching it. I believe this is the episode after Baby Death Pit. Which it is I, absolutely the episode after Baby Death Pit. Which I'm sure we had a ton to say about. <laughs> I Yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure last episode we were just um, in, infuriated with rage. Apoplectic. I like infuriated with rage. Also because... Literally angry with rage. Also because we're recording this so early we don't know what this book is called. But this is book six, and we're on episode 21 of season four, Mother. Again, this is just because we're further back, but did everyone become much worse at acting? Um, I think people are just really tired of being on this show right now. I, I really do. As a reminder, uh, Rumpelstiltskin has poisoned his heart by being so darn evil all the time. And so he's dying. Yeah, unlike of... everyone else. Yeah. I, do you remember way, way back when Snow White killed Korra and all of a sudden her heart had, like, the black spot. And that was a thing for, like, two episodes. Did we just forget about that altogether? Yeah, apparently. Apparently throwing a baby into a death pit doesn't do anything to darken your heart. I guess not. So, oh, yeah, they throw a baby into a death pit and the baby's back and she wants revenge. It was Maleficent's baby. And, uh... And the reason, and the reason they threw Maleficent's baby into a death pit was because they had a vision that because Emma, their daughter was the product of true love she would be either the greatest good or the greatest evil so they put all of her evil into another baby and chucked that baby and that wasn't very kind of them i like how they're not they don't really care at all about their new baby i don't think their new baby even appears in this episode i did ask about that I, but yes you did say they're he's somewhere he disappeared he's like Neil in this series is like Emma in Friends. He's just presumably in the apartment and they have the little baby radio, except in this show we don't even see the little baby radio. He's with Ross's mom. Okay, makes sense. I, I have to say, though, I have only been, I've been listening to every episode of the show that you do, but I had never actually seen the show before and it was kind of a shock for me. Had we not prepared you for 
I don't even know what to call it. Well, I think the the acting was not quite, except for um, Rumpelstiltskin, the acting was not quite up to what I was expecting. And also, I pictured a lot of the male actors to be better looking than they are in actuality. <laughs> wow. Oh, fair. Okay. <laughs> and uh, honestly, when we were watching this episode, I'm like, Lana Perea is such a better actress than this. He, she acted down for me, I guess. Wow. Yeah, I think she's just tired, too. I think yeah. they're all tired. Also, Hook was hotter when they first introduced him before he was really tired of playing that part. Ah, okay. Because I was disappointed. You had built up Hook for me. He's, yeah. he's much... Well, in fact, when we when we hit that part of our rewatch, I was surprised by how hot he was because at the time we were watching it in real time and I'm like, man, he is just done with this show. <laughs> See, this is why having a rotating cast would have worked a lot better. Yeah. Because when we had Philip, I mean, Philip was just far more attractive than Prince David. Well, he's more interesting. Yeah, and he's more interesting and having a... They should have done the show anthology style, like American Horror Story. It works perfectly with fairy tales. And you could even have some of the characters, you know, coming back. But maybe Mary Margaret and David don't need to be the main characters for ever. Yeah, maybe. Because the only reason we have Baby Death Pit is because they ran out of stuff for them to do ages ago. Now, I'm just going to make a guess from the past and say that we've talked about this in depth. But this season is all about Regina trying to get her happy ending. And it's a big problem with this show that... Characters can't really get a happy ending because it's an ongoing show. Right. If they actually let it conclude, Mary Margaret and David could have their happy ending and we could be done with them. But no. I'm just going to assume that's a thing we talk about a lot in this season. Yeah. So in fairy tale land, we see Regina's evil carriage going through the woods to a field where peasants are congregating. This is a sad wedding, but I mean, I guess if you're a peasant, you don't really have... A lot of fancy stuff for your wedding? Yeah, means for a wedding. Well, yeah, you just do it wherever. You know, I, w- I went to a wedding that uh, was... I went to a wedding, which was amazing, that was held at a science museum, and we didn't have any permits or anything. We just, like, gorilla style got those two married at the science <laughs> museum and then took off when the security guards questioned us. <laughs> no one got their hearts ripped out? Not at the wedding. Not as a result of the wedding. <laughs> Because Regina is not super happy at some filthy peasants getting married on her property. I mean, this is just, like, gratuitously evil, right? Because there's... The whole thing in the first few seasons is that Regina's evil because her heart was broken and she hates snow. This is just evil for the sake of evil. Yeah, she tears out the groom's heart. And her dad, being the incredibly helpful person he is, is like, hey... Are you sure you're not just overreacting because of that time your fiancé totally ate it last year? You mean that time (laughs) that I totally let your mother kill your fiancé and, like, did nothing to stop it? Yeah. that improved her mood quite a bit. Yeah, yeah, reminding her of the fact that, hey, hey, you should let these people have love. Just because you don't have love doesn't mean that you should mess things up for other people. She's like, you've met me, right? (laughs) Yeah, and she just totally kills him. She does look good while doing it. I was just about to say, as much as she's not into the acting, whoever's doing her makeup is really into making sure that her eyeliner wings are on point. So that's something. (laughs) 
And she's wearing sort of a blue take on her normal uh, red riding outfit. It seems to have a bustle kind of effect in the back. Yes, I, I like when she does that. She has kind of, her skirts are kind of mullety, where, where they're <laughs> short in the front, and then they have the bustle in the back. But it really works for her because it shows off her amazing legs. Plus, she's got a spider choker, which works really well. Yeah, she looks great. So she decides it's time to visit Daniel's grave since, you know... I think Daniel's grave has moved since the last time we saw it. It used to be on a hill. No, no, I, I'm pretty sure that is where Daniel's grave is. Really? Yeah. He has a... It's at like a basic gravestone. It has his name in a heart, which somebody has thoughtfully chalked in pink. Yeah, I was going to say, the grave marker looks a lot cheaper than it did last time, but I think it's the mm. same place. Um, but surprisingly, there at the gravestone is Cora, her yeah. mother, waiting for her. Her mother, like the title of the episode. So I was surprised to see that Cora was played by Barbara Hershey. You know, every time Cora shows up, I felt like we were neglectful and not mentioning that was Barbara Hershey, but then we go on with the episode and move on. I don't really know who Barbara Hershey is. Well, Barbara Hershey was about to become famous. She was in some late 60s, early 70s movies. And then she was struck by the crazy stick. <laughs> and there was a dead seagull on the set of her movie. And she felt that the soul of the seagull moved from the bird into her. And she changed her name to Barbara Hershey Seagull. And that was about the last we saw of her for quite a few years. So she looks good, though. Uh, she looks great. I mean, she doesn't look like she's filled with dead seagull souls at all. No, I think that must have been exorcised from her, apparently. <laughs> um, I do have to say, the timeline makes no sense in this episode. No, no, this makes no sense. In the flashback, we're seeing Cora with Regina after the point in time when Regina has shoved her through the mirror. But in the Cora episode, we know that Re- we know. But in the Cora season, we knew that Regina hadn't seen her mother since shoving her into the mirror. So... Yeah, and this is pre-her sending Hook to assassinate her, which, why would she send... Why would she send him to Wonderland if she knew her mom might not even be there? It's... I guess they weren't paying attention. No. They care a lot less about their chronology than we do. And we're getting into the seasons where stuff just happens... We're getting pretty deep into the stuff just happening seasons. Well, I mean, it's a real problem with doing the flashback structure because eventually you run out of past. And Once Upon a Time doesn't care about that. They're just going to, they're just trying to wedge in more and more past. And it's a thing with, someone said it about the Star Wars movies, prequels just make the universe smaller. And this show is half prequel by nature. Hmm. So... So we have this kind of awkward scene where in the real world, in the modern world, Regina and Robin Hood are talking about how Maid Marian was actually Zelina in disguise and now she's pregnant and... Okay, you're throwing it away because we've... Definitely talked about it by this point. (laughs) But I think you need to explain to your mother what happened in this show because she's not there yet. Okay, so... Maid Marian came back thanks to Emma's time travel shenanigans at the end of... Season three. Season three, which was book four. Yes, because we hate ourselves somehow. (laughs) So Maid Marian came back and Robin was like, well, I'm still technically married to her, so I'm dumping you, Regina, so I can be with my wife, mother of my child. And then much later, it turned out that 
what who they thought was Maid Marian was actually Zelina in disguise, that Zelina had gone back in time with Emma and Hook and murdered Marion at some point and took her place. And that it's been Marion it's been Zelina the whole time pretending to be Marion. Mm-hmm. Which makes basically no sense given Marion's like knowledge of her history with Robin Hood and the fact that she doesn't behave like she's Zelina in disguise at literally any point in the show. And the fact that she's able to fool her husband and her child for like six months in showtime. And, and- in the episode previous to this, it has been revealed that she is pregnant with Robin Hood's child. So, that's a thing. Now, I thought that Zelina was dead where I left off. <laughs> Turns out <laughs> <But> she's not! <laughs> so, I was surprised when that plot came in this episode. I was a little confused. It we were all confused. Did somebody owe Rebecca Mater quite a bit of money or something? Like, it's beyond (laughs) me that they brought this character back. Well, I think Rebecca Mater uh, is the only actress who genuinely wants to be on the show at this point. So they felt like they had to bring her back. She's certainly acting like she's the only actress who still wants to be on this show. And the thing is, she's a good actress in other things. Yeah, I love her in Lost. I have no, I have no issues with her. I always feel bad when I see her tweet, and I'm like, "You're so, you seem like such a nice, great person," and I hate Selena so much. Mm. And it's just she makes the plot stop. This is like a fit, like this whole thing. It, it was the worst way to bring the character back, and the way they handle it, it's like Robin Hood cheated on Regina with her sister. Mm. Yeah, but, they they act they act like they act like they're a divorced couple. Like from this point forward, they're gonna act like they're a divorced couple sharing custody, and not like what it was, which is rape by deceit and a child that is the product of that. It's not okay the way this plot is dealt with. And the uh, now when we did when we did do Zelina's death, I. They left the door open for her to come back a lot more than I had remembered. And if they had brought her back in a way that wasn't this, I wouldn't be so angry. Because I don't have... Up until this plot twist, I didn't have a problem with Selena as a character. In fact, I really liked the way she contrasted with Regina and had kind of a evils of the patriarchy, evil of the matriarchy thing going on. As I talked about at length during... Her season. I feel like I have less affection for Zelina than you do, but because wow. it feels like budget Regina to me. <laughs> well, but. I mean, she's patriarchy. She's patriarchy Regina, so that's accurate. But this whole scene is Regina being mad at Robin Hood for for Zelina being pregnant, and. She she offers to wipe Roland's mind of the fact that Zelina was pretending to be his mom, which I feel like is just going to raise more questions down the line. Not if they got rid of Zelina at this point, which is what they should have done. <laughs> Honestly, this is going to make me even angrier later on because... No, And then speeds up Zelina's pregnancy so they can have the child and kill Zelina and be done with her. Everyone stops her. And that's just going to make me mad at everyone who stopped her who had the answer to the problem. Yeah, everyone's all like, no, no, I can't kill. It'll be super wrong if it kills this woman who keeps killing and raping and doing all this horrible stuff. And putting her in jail is not going to stop her because she's got magic. So, like, and apparently death is like a timeout for her, so. 
Now, did they do this because they thought if they were making Regina not as evil or not evil-ish, that they needed another female? Almost certainly. Yeah, almost certainly they thought they needed another evil queen character. Okay. And they end up putting, they end up... For God knows what reason, putting Zelina through the same redemption arc they put Regina through. So it's, we have this character and then we have a watered down version of the same character. Well, and as you point out, it's like they felt like they needed another evil queen, which is ridiculous because Regina's redemption plot is complex and that's interesting. And it's like they were not trusting the audience to be interested in something complex. So they needed something, I was going to say black and white evil, but... White and green? White and green evil? <laughs> and the thing is, Zelina has the same thing, except she's just like, oh, well, I'm not murdering people anymore. I'm not going to help you guys ever, but, you know, st- stop being me. And also, let me raise this baby that I got by raping a dude. Ugh, the custody battle with the child who will be named Robin is Unpleasant. not okay. Because yeah. she acts like... She acts like the other characters don't have a reason to be concerned about the fact that she's raising this baby. So are they doing, like, the dual raising Henry thing? No, she's just straight up raising the baby. Yeah, Robin Hood has, has, like, no custody. Really? Yeah, Yeah, she's like, no, this is my baby. Robin Hood doesn't get custody of this baby. Okay, that's kind of strange. Yeah, not okay. I, I don't think that people... And it's not like it's a thing that's supposed to be a conflict. It's like the writers don't understand what happened in the plot. Yeah, they're like, mom, they're like, moms always get custody, right? So, <laughs> okay. Which isn't even true, by the way. When no. fathers ask for custody, they get it more often than not. Anyway. <laughs> so anyway, this whole scene has been basically Regina and Robin hashing out what has happened thus far. That... Zelina did this to Robin to get at Regina, and, and Regina feels guilty, but they can't really date now because things are weird because... Because now there's a baby? Yeah, because her sister's pregnant with his kid. To be fair, that is a weird thing. That is a weird thing, but... Although, you know, not the weirdest thing in any relationship. I mean, Emma's dating Hook, even though Hook was previously dating... Uh... Her baby daddy's mom. Yeah, so that's that's... Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of Emma. Speaking of Emma, Emma is on a road trip in the real world to recover the baby that her parents threw in a death pit and also brings Alina back to Storybrooke. Yep. So she meets up with the baby Lily in New York and they're in Neil's apartment and Emma finds the dream catcher in Neil's apartment. The dream catcher that they stole on their Bonnie and Clyde road trip when they were in Portland and that will become important in later seasons as well. I'm amazed that considering they couldn't keep track of the very simple timeline of Regina and Cora, but they're still hanging on to this dream catcher thread. Beyond me. But they uh, they are driving back to... Them. The bug must be so full of people at this point. It, maybe, <laughs> maybe Herbie is like the... Because the bug is, of course, Herbie the love bug. Maybe it's like the TARDIS. Maybe it's bigger on the inside so they can all fit in comfortably. Or the Weasley's car. Yeah, there you go. Well, I mean, the Weasley's car is a land boat even on the outside. Yeah. So, back in Storybrooke, Rumple is talking with the author because he has a plan. And the author is part of the plan. And uh, the author's complaining about the bagels in Storybrooke. Remind me if you remember... 
Do we know at this point that the author is actually from the 1960s? I don't think so. I think that comes up in the episode where we find out he's Jewish. Which, which is next episode. Yeah. So he's By just, the way, the one canonically Jewish character in Once Upon a Time is also evil. Something I'm not thrilled about, but... <laughs> so when he asks Rumpelstiltskin what a bagel is, he's just fucking with him. He must no, be. No, isn't he complaining making... about the... No, no, he's no, asking what he it said, is. He asked what it was. He's from the... <laughs> he's, he, yeah, he's from New York. He's a, he's a Jewish man from New York in the 60s. So he's just fucking with Rumpelstiltskin at this point. But yeah, we the audience don't know that yet because we don't know that he is actually from our place and time. I like the actor, though. Yeah, the actor's fun. Yeah. He's having a lot of fun with the role. He is. Honestly, the thing that really makes me angry about this is how much it's wasted potential. And part of that is that I like this actor and there's so much they could have done. And oh my God. Oh my goodness, you guys. Buckle in because the next two episodes are just going to be me screaming in incohate rage for like an hour. Because it's it does the thing that... We'll talk about it next week. Yeah, this is basically a filler episode leading into the season finale. But... Yeah. Okay, so Hook shows up to interrupt Rumpel mwahahaing at the author. <laughs> and Rumpel's like, this is why I hate this place. Then why are you there? Rumpels, like, you know that Rumpelstiltskin's deal is that he doesn't leave places he should leave. Yeah, true. So, uh... So, last last episode, the episode where we found out that the parents had thrown Lily into the death pit, the point was for Emma to get this information, find Lily, and have her own heart turn black, because apparently they need evil savior blood to make the ink that the author uses to write the stories. Uh, prepare for this not to be a thing at all in any other stories regarding the author, but... Yeah, he doesn't seem to need evil savior blood. Yeah. That's why Rumpel's been trying to get Emma to be evil all season, accumulating with her shooting uh, Corolla DeVille in a scene which is deeply hilarious. Not intentionally, it's supposed to be dramatic, but... Does she shoot her, or does she just mystically knock her off a cliff? She mystically knocks her off a cliff, and that's apparently Savior Kosher. Yeah. Like, you know. Well, apparently killing a sociopath is a-okay by the morality of Once Upon a Time. Unless that sociopath is Zelina. Yeah. Or Regina, who we love, but should have been killed by Snow many times over. Anyway, this scene is interrupted. Hook shows up to say, hey, Emma's back and she's not evil. Suck it, losers, and wanders off. And also we see that Rumpel is kind of at the end of his line as far as his darkened heart goes, and he needs this ink pretty damn quick or else he's going to die. Yeah, he has a serious acting attack in the middle of the diner and then bamfs away with the author. But he's really, you believe him. Oh, yeah. yeah. We, I Robert, you know what? Robert Carlyle is one of the like gold star actors on this show who never stops acting. Yes, it's there are not many of them. He might be the only one. Yeah, even our beloved Lana Perea is pretty tired this episode. Yeah, she's she's very clearly treading water. But Robert Carlyle is one of those people who's very committed to the craft. He definitely is. He probably talks about the process in real life. Oh my god, you're probably right. <laughs> Very William Hurt. Mm. He gives it all every time. So, they arrive in Storybrooke and conveniently Maleficent is like right there. And conveniently everyone's like right there and they're all hugging Emma except for 
David and Mary Margaret, who she snubs because of the whole baby death pit thing. Yeah, right? <laughs> Which, you know, legit. Mary Margaret is wearing her finest nun outfit. No, no. When you when we showed you this episode, you you did not believe us when we talked about how terrible they make Jennifer Goodwin look on the show. Yes, I recoiled in horror when I saw her. I was just shocked. She's a beautiful woman. They work really hard to make her look that bad, and they're doing a great job of that. Seriously, what did she do to the makeup department here? I don't know. Or costumes as well. Yeah, they do. They put her in really unflattering outfits all the time. And, and you've discussed the hair issue. But it was especially obvious when she was pregnant and they were putting her in clothes that hide pregnancy because right. they made her look so much better than her normal <laughs> outfits when she's not pregnant. Yeah, well, and they put her in, I mean, right now she's wearing a, a camel-colored coat that is not flattering for her skin tone. I mean, people on set have eyes, right? Like, I could dress her better than that, and I don't dress very well. <laughs> It's funny because it actually reminds me of Charmed, except I think it's the opposite. On Charmed, the girls who are the the witches, um, at some point all became executive producers because they were on the show so long, that's what you have to do. Right. And the more creative control those actresses got, the worse their outfits got. And I have to think that that was because of them. I have to think that it was their own bad taste coming through. Well, because it was especially Alyssa Milano. She had like the evil Pocahontas outfit. (laughs) Or the pom-pom belly shirt. Now, Alyssa Milano actually has a clothing line. Yeah, and she's, like, hosting America's Next Top Designing Person or whatever. Yeah, so I don't know what the deal is there, but her outfits are consistently terrible. But they're The con- Grover sweater. But they're consistently <laughs> terrible and also consistently show, like, a lot of skin. Yes, I oh, yeah, remember her, that from Trump. Her pubic bone gets its own credit. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I'm nice. sorry, was that too graphic? That's <laughs> <laughs> fine. See, I knew you would be able to read it in. I knew it. It's just ridiculously low. I'm surprised the WB let her get away with that. Although they were at the end of being a network at that point. so. Well, I mean, she's got a good body. I can understand being like, I'm going to show it off all yeah. the time. If, it's just... If I did a million sit-ups and never ate anything, I would be constantly naked too, but... <laughs> But maybe, but naked probably would have been better than the terrible, terrible outfits she wears. So Maleficent is really happy to see her, you know, pit baby, but Lily not so much. Yes, Lily is hesitant to see her mother, but we're going to get to that mother-daughter relationship in a minute. First, we're going to go back to the flashback and deal with, and deal with Regina and Cora's mother-daughter relationship. Regina is surprisingly not surprised to see her mother not trapped in Wonderland, given the fact that she thought she was trapped in Wonderland. She's just shooting exposition at her. But she she has, she's like, Mother, I haven't seen you since you killed my fiancé and forced me to marry <laughs> Snow White's father, and then I threw you through a mirror to Wonderland. That, and then, that may be what's affecting her acting, is the lines that she's been given. It might be, although I do have to say... The whole reason to have Lada Priya is that she can deliver terrible <laughs> lines. Is that she can deliver terrible lines consistently well? Well, I guess not consistently. Uh, well, she managed to make silk purses out of sow's ears pretty frequently earlier on in the show. I have to say though, Cora's—I don't even want to call it exposition—but Cora's exposition is even worse because she's like, "Yeah, I just took a rabbit out of Wonderland. 
Don't worry about it. This must have been cross-promotion for Once Upon a Time in Wonderland. Was it? I think Once Upon a Time in Wonderland was over at this point. Because you and I were watching the show together in real time by now. And I'm pretty sure Once Upon a Time in Wonderland had ended before you and I started watching Once Upon a Time together. Yeah, which... Okay, just quick side note. I, I, I've i watched all of Once Upon a Time in Wonderland. Uh, you haven't? I've seen none of it. Not a single second. Once Upon a Time in Wonderland has the benefit of... It, it has what Once Upon a Time had in the first season, where it's actually this fairly straightforward story that works really well, because they clearly planned everything out. Ah. And uh, Once Upon a Time ambiguously considers it canon... Like, they borrow characters from it occasionally, and some concepts. John Lithgow was the rabbit. Really? Yeah, he just did the voice. It was CGI. Oh, oh okay. So he probably did all of his lines in, like, an afternoon. Yes, but... yes. Like Pat Oswalt on Happy. Yeah. But uh, they're just establishing blah, 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 Cora's back, and she wants... She apparently encountered Tinkerbell, which we have serious that questions about. That raises more questions. She apparently met with Tinkerbell after Tinkerbell did had the whole song and dance with Regina with her true love. And after Tinkerbell lost her wings, but presumably before she ended up in Neverland. A story which we never get. Hmm. Yeah, we never find out how Tinkerbell got from point A to point B, and this just makes that way more complicated. Apparently but... her path to Wonder Apparently her path to Neverland crossed through Wonderland, so who who even knows? I would I would watch the adventures of live more through fairy tale lands though. Oh my gosh! You know what would be great? We should watch the Disney Tinkerbell cartoon and find out if it is in fact like secret Once Upon a Time canon, telling how Tinkerbell got to be where she was. Oh, I'm not sure if I can watch that. Tinkerbell has her own show. It's uh, a cartoon for it's a cartoon for children. On okay, that Disney does. You know? Well, how- oh, oh, I thought you meant the direct to DVD CGI movies that um. That girl from Parenthood is in. Then you know, um, Anne from uh, Arrested Development. May Whitman. May Whitman. No, actually, I meant the. She's the I voice. love May Whitman. She's I the know, voice she's of so Tinkerbell good. in those movies. Really? Yeah. Oh. But what I what I actually meant is there's so you know how Disney has like its princess line. Yes. They have another line that's for even younger girls, which is the fairy line. And Tinkerbell is the main fairy, but there's also a whole cast of fairies that were created just for the show that they sell. Kristen Chenoweth is one of them. Oh. It's sort of where you go if you need a paycheck, if you're like a mid-level actor. (laughs) But it's actually, what I know about the series, having never seen any of it, it's actually really cool because um, they make Tinkerbell like a tinker, like she's an engineer. Hence her name. Yeah. And um, it's, you know, trying to promote STEM to young girls. Which is something Excellent. I'm in favor of. Me too. So we should... At we least should, take a look, I guess. You know what we should do? We should make that a Patreon tier. Yeah, there we go. Okay. Uh, so, back in Storybrooke, uh, Regina has taken her sister to the secret insane asylum underneath <laughs> the hospital. Yeah. Where Nurse Ratchet and Joe work. Yep. So just so we know, they're still there. From over the cuckoo's nest. From From one flew over the cuckoo's nest. Yeah. Which, you'd think Joe would be kind of, I don't know, pissed about the fact that he has to live in this secret mental hospital. Also, the fact that it's in the basement means he can't even throw the sink through the window and get out. Just saying. No windows. Also, we have, by this point, now seen Nurse Ratchet more times than we've seen Cinderella. That's what I was thinking when we were watching this episode. 
but this whole scene is just Zelina being like, ha ha, I'm pregnant with your boyfriend's baby, and Regina being like, uh, why are you still a character? And they have the cuff that takes away her magic, so Zelina's been demagicked and locked in the, in, and locked in the insane asylum, so... I guess we, the audience, can breathe easy because surely she won't get out and cause any more trouble. The magic cuff that stops all magic but can be taken off by literally anyone, except for the person wearing it. We uh, first saw this during the Peter Pan season when they were doing the whole secret organization and that it was filled with all of the technology in the world and that's why you can't do magic when you're wearing it. Now that is a plot thread that would have been an interesting thing to follow up on. But no, never again. So... Are we assuming it's still Peter Pan's magic that's stopping it? Or is it actually supposed to be technology? Because all of their equipment was just toys that he had done spells on. I don't know because... <laughs> I don't know because once Peter Pan was dead, did all his magic go away? Yeah, supposed to, but apparently the cuff's still working, so... Maybe Peter Pan's not really dead either. But, well, <laughs> well, you know, we see, him in, uh, we see him in the hell season. Oh yeah, so he is dead. He's in hell. Which, luckily, the kid went through that same puberty, that kid from, uh, in that Christmas movie, um, Love Actually. He went through the same kind of puberty that the kid from Love Actually went through, where he can still play, like, a 13-year-old, even though he's in his 30s now. Yeah. You know the kid the, from that. The blonde boy who loves the singer? Yeah. He He's in Game of Thrones as, like, a 13-year-old now, and it's Really? Been... He's gotta be getting up there. Yeah, well, he has that thing where he still looks really young. Baby face. Yeah. yeah. So, meanwhile, in the Rumpelstiltskin author plot. <laughs> this is still going. So the author doesn't seem to be evil to me at this point. The author isn't, okay, so the author isn't actually evil per se. He's selfish. He's... Okay. The author is a character, the author is a position and your job is to chronicle fairy tales. Like, it's to observe and to chronicle. And the thing that makes this particular author evil is that he decided to use his powers to change what was happening. Aha. Uh-huh. Okay. okay. I want to talk about Corella DeVille here because I'm sure we've talked her to death by this point in the show. She is... Okay, so she is conceptually the worst character this show has ever come up with. Nonsense. Cruella de Vil is the best. No, no. She's conceptually the dumbest. Oh, okay. But she is actually the best character this show has. Because I, I, I oh. know we've gone through this before. I'm sorry, audience. We've recorded this in the past, so I have to talk about this now again. Okay, so Cruella de Vil is a sociopath whose mom kept her locked in the basement and used dogs to keep her in line. She had guard dogs to stop her from... Okay. Not Dalmatians? No, yes, Dalmatians. Okay. And, you know, she grew up, and the author finds her in this, you know... He's trapped in... There are certain stories that take place in certain time periods, so there are realms that are just those time periods perpetually. So all the stories that take place in, like, 1930s Victorian England all exist in their own separate realm that is perpetually the 1930s Victorian England. That's where she's from. And he was, you know, visiting there to see if there was anything interesting. He found her. She seduced him into letting her out of her prison thing because she gave him the story, you know, oh, my mother's super abusive, blah, 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 blah. But they did the ring ending where once he let her out, it turns out that the mother wasn't abusive. She actually is a psychopath who needed to be locked up. Uh, Not just a psychopath. 
not just a psycho see because he's like oh i know since you've got these dogs who are stopping you from leaving what i'm going to do is i'm going to give you magical dog controlling breath yep she she, so she blows on them so she breathes, breathes out this green smoke that controls animals and again this is conceptually the dumbest thing in the show but the actress just rolls with it and she, the thing is and also it's nice to have a story where it's not about her evil parents making her evil she's yes. the one person in the show who doesn't have parental issues as a backstory but she creates them as a lie yeah, she because we when her origin episode rolls around, we were like, "Oh God, it's the same story." And then it turned out, nope. Turns out she's just an evil person, and the actress she the character takes advantage of the tropes that we've uh, that we've accepted in the show to fool characters in the show, which is a cool idea. And you too, yeah, I yeah, because we we were all mad, and then the ending rolled around, and we're like, "Oh, that's neat." <laughs> and the actress is actually really good with it because she plays the character as you know. She's this doll, and she she does, like, the character from the Disney movie, mm-hmm. so she's in this, like, completely ridiculous setting, but she's acting like this socialite who's just like, darling, I have magical dogs that attack people. Oh, that sounds wonderful. Yeah, yeah Cruella Deville's pretty great. They really don't use her enough. Yeah. She's honestly, like, she's one of the things where you're like, okay, this show could be so much more fun than it is. Mm. But anyway, back in this episode that we're watching, Regina and Rumpelstiltskin are basically fighting over the author. Rumpelstiltskin wants the author to rewrite stuff so that he's not dying. And Regina's like, um, Operation Mongoose was my plan. It was my plan to get the author and have him rewrite, and have him rewrite my story. So, uh, Rumpel's like, oh, well, you don't, you, you want him to help me because if, uh, if, the good part of me dies, then I'll be all dark one, and that's bad news for everyone. And Regina's like, yeah, but on the other hand, screw you. And she just takes the author and bamps off, because he's having an acting attack. He can't stop her. <laughs> also, I mean, how accurate is that? Yeah. I guess it does raise the interesting question of how much is the dark one and how much is the human the way that in Buffy, originally it presents vampires as this absolute evil you know like the person you were is dead and now the thing that you see is just the demon who took over your body yeah it's a demon and a demon takes over your body it has access to your memories it looks like you but it's not you but we know that's not the case because not because of angel fuck angel but because spike is able to earn his own redemption oh i was gonna say because of harmony oh yeah well harmony's still harmony so harmony is just she's still harmony she's just Harmony who needs to drink blood to live. She's still a vapid, very shallow person. Yeah, so I guess the question is, like, the dark one, how much of it is the demon and how much of it is you? Which, especially because when we see Emma in a world, it's just Emma, except she's more... Efficient? Yeah. Emma isn't really evil at all. Oh, God, I can't wait to talk about Emma. Which, by the way, it lends credence to the whole everyone wants to be the villain. Because Jennifer Morrison has been kind of not really that into the plot for a while, I feel like, at this point. Uh-huh. Yeah, she does get way more interested in being in the show when they make her the Dark One. She, It's because they let her act in a lot smaller ways, and it really works. Like, she's this more restrained character, and it sort of plays to a strength that I feel just regular Emma hasn't had in a while. But we're not going to talk about that for like another season and a half. 
Yeah. So back in Fairy Tale Land, Korra has entered the uh, bar, the tavern, the, tavern, the same uh, rowdy tavern that Regina saw Robin Hood in, but did not go to talk to him because her fiance just died. And blah, blah, blah. It's the it's the tavern where you start out role playing games. Yeah. It's where you pick up your adventure hook. And okay, so the sheriff of Nottingham immediately comes up to her and starts hitting on her. Not to disparage Cora, not to disparage people in their seventies. <laughs> she's a good twice his age. Um, okay, but she's obviously a lady. Like she's obviously a, a woman of wealth in a pretty low tavern. So of course the sheriff of Nottingham would be drawn to her. Also, See, she looks really good for her age. Oh she yeah, does. she does. The thing is. She's really obviously a magical person. And given that his last encounter with a magical person ended with him temporarily losing his tongue. Literally having his tongue removed. So he's been a character before this episode. Yeah. Unless I I might be conflating him. Am I conflating him with Gaston? I don't think I am. No, Gaston got turned into a rose. Yeah. Yeah. We see him earlier and then later in the show. Well, this when I was a child, there was a television series of Robin Hood, and they had a really good Sheriff of Nottingham. You really wanted to immediately punch him in the nose. <laughs> so I didn't think this one lived up to that. Uh, no, yeah, this he's is a just, pretty weak Sheriff of Nottingham, mm-hmm. to be honest. I mean, he's not bad. He's, like, moderately sleazy. This is a show that lives and dies on its villains, so I'm going to judge its villains a lot more harshly. In all fairness, Disney's Robin Hood movie is not very good. Live action or cartoon? Yes. Okay. <laughs> I do... Uh, there hasn't been a good Robin Hood movie since Robin Hood Men in Tights. Accurate. I do appreciate, though, that his description of Robin Hood as just a self-righteous asshole who who thinks that it's okay to be a thief as long as you redistribute to the poor. Yeah. And uh, because Cora is looking for the man that her daughter's supposed to end up with. And then she's like, you know what? You might actually be better for my daughter. I mean, we don't find that out now, but it's pretty obviously where she's going with this. Yeah. Because she wants them grandbaby cakes. Grandbaby cakes? Grandbaby cakes. <laughs> Which, I'm sorry, this is a really weird plot turn for Cora, for her to suddenly be like, I want a grandbaby. Well, I'm pretty sure that even though she denies it, Regina's analysis of her plan at the end is accurate. Mm. Which, could, yeah. to jump to the end is that her plan is to have Regina have a child, kill Regina, be the regent who is controlling the land while raising that child. Although, honestly, if she wanted to, I mean, I get it, she doesn't want her bloodline to die out. Because, I mean, she could really easily just kill Regina and take over the country. Or at least she could feasibly do that. Well, I think I think the show actually is making a nod towards the line of secession here. Um, Regina... Cora's plan was always to be the power behind the throne and groom Regina to take over. And when Regina rebelled, so she just figures she has to start over with Regina's daughter. Mm. I'm assuming Regina would have a daughter. I was going to say, or son. I mean, that might have a boy. That was not Regina. We haven't discussed the manly arms line, which... uh... Oh, God. Yeah. Cora Cora definitely tested out the Sheriff of Nottingham before handing him over to uh, Regina. Because she's all about his muscular man arms. 
which you can't really see because he's wearing a foofy shirt, but whatever. I guess we should take Regina's word for it that he has manly arms. I, we have to, but simply using the term manly arms was kind of horrifying, I thought. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, back in Storybrooke, the author is telling Regina that in order to write in his magical book, he needs uh, dark savior blood, and he needs Emma to go evil so he can write in her blood to create a happy ending for the evil queen. And he he's being super passive-aggressive to Regina in this whole scene. Oh, that's funny that you read that as passive-aggressive, because I feel like he's getting super meta here, because he's saying how much he wants to write a happy ending for her, because... She's his favorite character because she's a complex villain and everyone loves complex villains the most, which is true. This might actually, yeah, and this might be a shout out to the fact that Regina is by far the most popular character in the fandom, as I am given to understand it. Well, of course. I I've mean, seen very few people who are huge fans of David and uh, Mary Margaret. What? We, shocking. <laughs> we've. I feel like we've talked about this before. It's strange that this show has this thing with pushing them as main characters when I've seen almost no fan stuff with them online. Except for stuff shipping snow with uh, red. No. Like, I guess back in her bandit days. Yeah. I mean, no. You haven't seen any of that? Oh, no. I was just... I was just disapproving of it. Yeah. (laughs) Ruby can do better. Right? So, Regina pulls out the uh, thing that's been a chip on her shoulder for years. The secret page from the book that has her and Robin Hood being together. Which is... I... I'm sure I've talked about how weird it is that she assumes that means she gets a happy ending, since that could be from any point in the story. Yeah, like, you've made out with Robin Hood a couple of times by now. Like, I get that it's supposed to be in the past because you're both wearing white shirts. It it doesn't even have anything that really solidly locks it in a alternate take of on the past. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Anyway, the author tells her that that's from a story that he wrote, that he was just fiddling with. He was getting all experimental. And you know what? I feel like that's an interesting tease for a story that could happen next episode, but doesn't because they fucked up. Uh, See, I thought it was kind of setting up the alternate dimension stuff that happens later. Next episode. No, no, the wish verse. Oh, it does kind of set up the wish verse, doesn't it? Another weird experimental thing that the author does. Is writing all this down? Well, uh, according to the reboot season, he is. So, how weird is it doing the head writing down the stuff with Regina and Robin Hood and Emma and Hook uh, after the author's dispatched? Becomes the new author. Ah, okay. Well, the, see, that's the thing. The author was supposed to pass it on, but he wanted to hang on to the power, and that's why he's the big bad in this half of the season. I see. And get ready for Irna to use his newfound omnipotence. Never. Never. Aww. But that's because Henry is technically a good guy, so he really he really can't do that. Yeah, because authors just... aren't supposed to. Yeah. Anyway. Back I'm to... just saying if I got a pen that made anything I wrote down come true, I probably would immediately go dark author oh. with it. It's May I have a house in Paris, please? <laughs> it's kind of like the benevolent version of Death Note. Oh, not the way I'd play it. <laughs> <laughs> anyway... Maleficent and Lily are having an awkward uh, get-to-know-you dinner. And Lily's kind of disappointed because she thought her mother was a big evil queen because her mother's Maleficent. Basically, she was expecting Angelina Jolie and not... 
Pam from True Blood. Well, well not I, even Pam yes, from True Blood. I mean, I, I, I don't want to say Pam from True Blood because Pam from True Blood would be pretty much what Lily wanted. Now, does this, it distracts me that she's Pam from True Blood. That's all I can think of when I look at her. The other actors I've seen in other roles and it doesn't bother me, but with her... I don't know about if it's her face. Yeah. It's just, that's all I keep going to. It helps when she has the horns. It okay. helps somewhat <laughs> when she has the horns, but. Well, no, I see it. I, no, I definitely feel you. Her, it's her, and we don't see her this episode, but also Anya from Buffy is the witch from Hansel and Gretel, the blind witch. Yes. And that really throws that really throws me, too. I can only see her as Anya. Right. Must be, just be certain actors that are so stuck with their roles. Yeah, especially because... Especially because Emma Caulfield's in uh, Timer. Which is one of my favorite movies. I think it might be because they played such iconic roles, you know? Yes. Like, Pam and Anya are iconic. And uh, I feel like anything I see Lana Perea in ever again, I'll only be able to see the Evil Queen. Well, now we have to watch Homicide Life on, or NYPD yeah. Blue. NYPD Blue. Yeah, I was thinking at some point we should go find every appearance of Lana Perea and just watch it. Uh, good. Our new podcast, Stalking Lana Perea. <laughs> Welcome to Lana Perea. <laughs> but Lily's like, wow, you are so much less cool than I thought you'd be. And she, she thought she out. was a giant dragon who was going to eat David and Mary Margaret for her. And instead she's just all like super sad. Honestly, I'm a little disappointed in that too. Right. We all, we all wanted Maleficent to turn into an evil dragon and eat David and Mary Margaret. And instead she just goes to their apartment and is like, I'm so sad that my child is disappointed in me. Where is their baby? I'm sorry. <laughs> it's with Ross's mother. <laughs> Look alive, Judy. This apartment has been in no way baby-proof. There's like rusty metal everywhere. There's like three bicycles hanging from the walls. They're terrible parents. We know that. They already lost one kid. There's, like, I'm sorry, when you have a baby, there are baby things in your apartment. I was just wondering if, um, as well as not allowing them to do anything flattering with Jennifer's hair, did they also, did she also say, I won't wear makeup? And also, I will only wear clothes that are boxy and unflattering? I, I think that might be a rider in her contract. Wow. It's the only explanation. It is. You rarely see that sort of thing. <laughs> She shows up and is like, my daughter's disappointed in me. How did you deal with that when Emma was disappointed in you? And they were like, well. <laughs> well, they were like, we got separated from her a lot. So she constantly forgot how awful we were. <laughs> <They're> <laughs> because like, whenever Emma's actually around her parents, she really does not seem to like them at all. But when she, you know, gets trapped in fairy tale land, she's like, oh, I guess I better get home. Yeah. Absence makes the heart. <laughs> So, okay, is Dark Star Pharmacy a reference to something? Oh my god, I was looking at that same thing trying to figure that out. I have no idea. Because uh, the first place I went was that Russian Marvel superhero, and I'm like, that's not it. <laughs> I I have no idea what Dark Star might be, but it's got to be something. Yeah, and they, ho they hold on it too long for it not to be something. Right. But I have no idea what they're referencing. So Twitter? Maybe someone will tweet at us and yeah, tell us what us they're know. referencing. So... Uh, the pharmacy, we're holding on that because it's where the bus station is, where Lily is waiting for a bus, which is crazy because buses don't come to Storybrooke. Yeah, this isn't Ghost World. And, or the end of Ghost World. And Regina shows up, and Lily's like, I don't want 
I don't want a pep talk right now, but it's okay because Regina's just there to take her. Well, we'll see what Regina's there for. Back in fairy tale land in the past, Regina's in fr- in her pointy house in front of a mirror, and her dad is brushing her hair. Uh, I uh, now that you're on the show, I just want you to confirm my thing with her dad, which is he looks like a Victorian ghost, right? He does, yes. Which bizarre choice. I like <laughs> I like how her mom, like how Cora shows up, and he just kind of wanders off, and she's like, "Hey, guy, I'm married too." <laughs> yeah, his missing wife, his missing wife, who was banished by his daughter. All those years ago, shows up and is like, we have work to do. And he leaves. Because that's that's old Henry's deal. That's old Henry's parenting style. God, old Henry's terrible. Anyway, Cora's there to tell Regina that she tracked down her true love. I found your man. Look, look. Regina was destined to be with Robin Hood or whatever. But she was destined to be with him. She doesn't need to have him forced on her like that's you you don't have to make destiny happen that's, that's the thing right. with destiny that's what makes it destiny cora and tink both need to back off for like entirely different reasons but they both need to back off especially considering regina was dressed in this outfit i liked quite a bit it was like I, this corsety thing and it had like this shoulder pads i have to say that i was shocked that she put her into an unflattering looking dress that wasn't half as attractive is what she had on before. Yes, Cora does magic to put Regina into this, like, pale blue dress. Um, it's this, like, periwinkle. But, it's like the Cinderella dress in the Cinderella movie that came out recently. But it's supposed not to make... nice. Yeah. No, it's not. It's supposed to make her look like an ingenue. And honestly, whenever they try to put make Lana Puria look like an ingenue, either right here or in flashback episodes where she's supposed to be 16... It just looks really awkward. It's not her look. It's, I mean, they cast her as the evil queen because that is her look. Yes. And especially, this is especially weird considering the fact that she's introducing her to Robin Hood, who is actually the Sheriff of Nottingham, who would probably like her more in the, you know, evil fantasy businesswoman outfit she was wearing before. Well, Cora has to keep up the story. I mean, Cora is trying to convince... Regina, that Regina is a naive innocent, which, you know, in a way she kind of is, because she's totally trusting her mother here. Which, did you forget the part where she killed your true love? Because she seems like she's like, oh, mom. Yeah. And... Anyway, Sheriff of Nottingham shows up with with a fake lion tattoo. Although, as I've pointed out on past episodes, that lion tattoo is robin hood's family crest so there's probably a lot of loxley's walking around with that tattoo true mm. also who's doing tattoos in fake medieval fairy tale land yeah, that but... tattoo looks really good for for a medieval tattoo since it's very since it's a lot of black ink really close together it definitely would just be a blue rat at this point so she brings her to her pet apple tree which i don't think we've seen in a while and she talks about how she used to make out with her boyfriend under it, and then her mom killed him. So maybe you should keep your eye out, Robin Hood. What a weird, Robin Hood. what a weird thing to tell the guy to tell a guy on the first date. By the way, my mom kills my boyfriends like all the time. Heads up. Okay, I guess. I mean, that seems like a... all right. I guess fair warning is a, probably a good thing. And he he's like, well, let my manly arms encircle you. And weird thing to. <laughs> 
No, no. The fact that he's like, let my manly arms encircle you, I it's I'm glad that you brought up how creepy it was when Cora said that because it's the thing that tips Regina off that this couldn't possibly be her true love. Right. Well, that and he's trying to use sexism to seduce her. He's like, you're so frail and feminine, woman who is the evil, mystical ruler of the country I live in. Right. Okay, I'm going to jump in real fast and recap my very favorite issue of Catwoman ever. Okay. Was it done by Jim Ballant? I don't remember who did it. Did she have giant purple breasts? I know who Jim Ballant is. I just don't remember. <laughs> I just don't remember if this is if that was the era when it happened. So my very favorite issue of Catwoman is uh, a standalone issue where the Scarecrow injects her with this, um, with, with the fear serum. That's what he does. Uh, that makes you live out your worst fears. And he has like a new fear serum formula that works on estrogen. So it has to be tested on someone with estrogen. But he chooses Catwoman because she's such a strong woman. So he wants to see if it works on someone who has a strong constitution. And um, we see her the fear the, her we see her living out her worst fear, and she's uh, being attacked by all of the Arkham Asylum villains. And as she's fighting them off, Batman swoops down and and uh, picks her up and says, uh, "Don't worry, Selina, I'll protect you," because her greatest fear is being codependent. <laughs> okay. Uh, and then and she actually says to him, she's like, and so then you know she fights them off and she's like, "Ha, ah, fuck you, Scarecrow! Codependents can't sneak up on you in a dark alley." Well, that's the thing with the that's the thing with it. Why it preys on children because adults have nebulous fears and it can't physically manifest as a nebulous fear, so it goes after children because they're afraid of like clowns <laughs> or giant spiders. Anyway, uh, yeah. or Alex Skarsgård's brother. He played it. In the... Yes, I know. Yeah. Anyway, it turns out Regina's greatest fear is also a man swooping her up and being like, don't worry, Regina, I'm here for you now. Hey, you know what women find really, really attractive? When you just grab their breasts and tell them how weak they are. Well, you know, her... yeah. This I'm pretty g- sure that's not correct, but... Well, that's probably why she uh, brings his lion tattoo to life and has it crawl under his skin and attack him. Okay, considering how terrible the CGI dragon is, which it is... I feel like they might have blown their budget on having his lion tattoo come to life and attack him. And I'm okay with that because it's awesome. Regina having his lion tattoo come to life and attack him is great. One of my favorite Regina moments of all time. And uh, she has the CGI lion tattoo attack him until he tells her what Cora actually wanted, which is for, you know, her to, you know. Reproduce. Yeah. Yeah. It's gross. Anyway, back in the present, Regina is talking to Lily. And uh, she's at first she's being all sympathetic, but then she just stabs her and takes her blood. Yeah, because she realizes, wait, (laughs) wait, if David and Mary Margaret put all of Emma's evil into Lily. Then there's Dark Savior blood right here. I don't have to talk to you. This is the evil I need, and my and I can keep my girlfriend from going evil. And I just love that she's just she suddenly realizes that she just has to stab her, and then she leaves. And Lily's like, "What the hell is wrong with this town? What the hell is what the hell is wrong with this town?" Is a thing a lot of visitors at, to Storybrooke end up asking. Uh, I'm really disappointed we don't get more Lily after this. Like she's in like four episodes. Lily looks like. Um just teenage angst yeah that that is really what she is because you know they dropped all of emma's evilness into her so it makes sense that that's what she would be 
And um, and of course, after Regina steals the Dark Savior blood, she she, uh, she quotes her favorite podcast. Yeah, she name checks <gasps> us and yeah. says, "Welcome to Storybrooke," and bamps away. Wow! Did you have to pay for that? Or uh, no, no. Lana Priya just loves us that oh, much. She okay. retroactively put us in the show before that's... the podcast started. Yeah, she wow. loves us half as much as we love her. So that's a lot. Yeah. Well, half of an infinite amount is still infinite. <laughs> So, uh, Lily does not react well to being stabbed. Uh, Regina's not there anymore, but Lily still turns into a dragon anyway. A giant, terribly CGI dragon. Yeah. But I I do love um, David, Mary, Margaret, and Maleficent come across the dragon, and Maleficent is like, ah, she looks just like me. (laughs) She has her mother's wingspan. Uh... So back in fairy tale land, uh, Regina is sitting at her mirror, her vanity, vanity, and she's mixing. Uh, she's mixing a mysterious drink. Yep, and she's back in full on evil queen drag. So you know, yay, yes. <laughs> yeah, and Cora comes in. She's like, "Oh, how'd your uh, date with Robin Hood go?" And Regina just sort of vaguely gestures at the mirror, and we see Robin Hood flailing in hell. Sure, I'm not him. Yeah. Tomato to bland, boring male character. You want, you want to take that? No. <laughs> bland, boring male characters. Oh my god. Whose only purpose is to get female characters pregnant. Oh, gross and true. They're like whatever the male equivalent of brood mares are. But wouldn't you want a more studs? Yeah. Studs, yeah. Well, well, wouldn't you want a studly stud rather yeah. than a wimpy stud to right? pregnant you? Yes. They're. There are really no good strong men on this show. Philip was fine. Actually, Aladdin is a lot of fun when we get Aladdin for the three episodes he's in the show. You're right. The good strong men don't get to last long. Oh, oh my god, we're coming up on... Oh no, did we already go past? No, we're coming up on... We are so close to Sexy Merlin. Oh, yes. Sexy Merlin from the King Arthur season. The most attractive man to ever be on this show is Merlin. In that King Arthur's odd. I know. It's like they're like, wait a second, we can attra- wait a second, we can cast attractive actors in roles. <laughs> oh, okay. Someone should have told them sooner. <laughs> uh. Back in the present, Regina brings the author to Zelina and monologues her evil plan, which is to have the author write Zelina out of the story. Oh no, what a tragedy. Right? How terrible. How terrible that would be. It's funny because what's happening right now is that the author is threatening to write Zelina out of the story and thus punish her. But what's actually happening in a meta sense is that the authors of Once Upon a Time have written her back into the story, punishing all of us. That is very true. Accurate. I find her very unlikable. I don't know. It's... She doesn't fit. She just... She straight up doesn't fit. Yeah. Also, it is really awkward in a TV show. In any media... Where somebody refers to a their brother or sister as bro or sis. <laughs> it just feels exposition-y. I don't know if that ever happens in real life, but it doesn't feel like it would. Yeah, like in the uh like an American dad. Like an American dad. Hey bro. You're my half brother. What else would I call you? Half bro. Yeah. <laughs> hey sis, how is being three inches taller and four years older than me going for you? Well, fine. I guess we won't talk again until something... (laughs) (laughs) Until you find a dramatic enough reason to show up unexpectedly on my doorstep. American Dad is better written than it has any right to be. 
That's because Seth MacFarlane doesn't work on it a lot. Uh, also, they originally they were going to do All in the Family. That was the uh, concept behind it. And then they realized, wait a second, that's not really that interesting. We're just going to have the alien in the show be Andy Dick. And that's a lot more interesting. Andy Dick to his, to the logical extreme of Andy Dick. Andy Dick is already the logical extreme of Andy Dick. Uh, I I don't know if we can apply the word logic to Andy Dick, but true, that's true. We're talking about this because this the scene that's going on in the background is Emma and Hook are talking about how she has to forgive her parents because they're her parents. Yeah, like why? Why? Maybe Mary Margaret and David don't deserve your forgiveness. And Hook's like, you know what? You you know you're just going to get over it eventually, so you might as well stop being mad about it now, which is terrible logic, but okay, dude. Anyway. Maleficent is being a good mom. She's worried because her daughter has never been a dragon before, so she doesn't know you know, how to fly. And David's like, well, I'm just going to kill her because that's what I do, so yeah. it doesn't matter if she injures her wings. David's like, what I do is I pull out a sword and I stab dragons. That's That's how I roll. Remember how I spent years just constantly screwing you over, Maleficent? So uh, she runs up to hug her daughter, her dragon daughter, and Mary Margaret's like, hey, you know what will make this situation better? Me. (laughs) Me running at the the scared, injured dragon. Right. That made no sense. Yeah. And, of course, Lily becomes the hero of the show by hitting Mary Margaret with her tail (laughs) and knocking her into a rock. But she doesn't set her on fire, which she does. is disappointing. <laughs> yeah. Sadly, sadly, tragically. I mean, Mary Margaret hits that rock with her head hard, and she is bleeding from the head. I mean, she's she's dead, right? <laughs> no, true evil can never die. Uh, so instead, she's just... You know, Emma runs up, and she's like, I forgive you now, because... Now that I think you might die? Yeah. And also, she uses her magic savior power to heal her. I thought this was a really terrible scene. You're not wrong. (laughs) It really bothered me. First of all, as you said, Jennifer Morrison was kind of phoning it in. And I didn't like her whole speech. I don't know. It just, this this was the worst part of the show to me, this particular show. It really is because there's, she, her speech is about how she needs to forgive her parents, but there's no motivation behind that. Like, they haven't done anything to earn her forgiveness. Well, she's... And also, she's not the one who needs to forgive them. Yeah, it's Lily. Lily. Lily's the one who got screwed over by this. And her thing is, you're a hero, and you've been trying to make up with... And it's being a hero isn't carte blanche, blanche, blanche to do whatever you want. You can't just get away with doing morally bad stuff because you're the good guy. Except in this show, you can because roles are just assigned randomly and then you have to deal with it and actions don't matter but oh man i'm gonna have a lot to say about that for the next two (laughs) weeks i am i am pre-angry and and jennifer morrison says in the most dead voice ever and anyway i miss you and i forgive you i think what really anti-sells this scene is the fact that it's a very emotional moment between two people who very clearly cannot care less about the words they are saying. And also, they, they, there seems to be no relation between the actors. Yeah, I mean, yeah. there's so much... It, it's weird because they've been doing this show together for almost five years at this point, and their connection as actresses is so much less here than it was in season one when they were having that, like we're roommates and friends but like underneath that we have a mother-daughter dynamic like 
They were so much more connected in season one. And now, after working together for five years, somehow they're less connected. And you see with the cast, like, in interviews and stuff, like, Jennifer Morrison and Lana Perea and uh, the guy who plays, and Colin O'Donoghue. Donoghue. Conan. Colin Donoghue. Colin Donoghue. I don't know why I keep putting an O in his name. (laughs) Because he looks Irish to you. I guess. And, like, the guy who, even the guy who plays Robin Hood, they all seem like they've got this good, which I, we talked about it on the, before, where Lana Perea and the guy who plays Robin Hood actually have chemistry when they're not in the show. (laughs) But they seem like they're general, uh, genuinely friends. I don't really get the, uh, I don't really get the impression that Jennifer uh, Goodwin is actually friends with the rest of the cast. Again, this is just conjecture. I have no idea what their relationships are actually like. But it does seem like that. Right. That seems what's reflected when they're acting together and there's just nothing there. I I remember on Jared Gilmore's birthday, the whole cast was kind of wishing him happy birthday on Twitter and talking about how they watched him grow up and what a fine young man he was. I didn't see anything from uh, Jennifer Goodwin. Mm. Mm. Which, again, you also see with... You see it with... uh, with Emma and Regina and their scenes with Henry that these are people who actually get along with each other and they actually have probably not a maternal relationship but they have a good relationship for I would be surprised if they had something close to a maternal relationship because I mean they really did he really did grow up on this show with these women kind of in a in a uh, you know beside these women Anyway speaking of maternal roles uh Pam from True Blood is Finding her daughter, who is transformed back into a human. Despite being in her 20s, this actress is doing a really good job with the teen angst thing. Definitely. She's got Definitely. so much evil inside of her. <laughs> An evil manifests as teen angst? Oh, wait. Yes. That <laughs> yes. I, yes. I, know. I said it and then... <laughs> and then you heard it and then you... <laughs> and uh, Maleficent's like, hey, look, I know I'm not what you wanted me to be, but... I am I can, still your mom. I'm still your mom, and I am still an evil dragon bitch queen. So, you know, I am i can't be that, like, I can't be what you needed, but I am here for you now. And it, it's, a, it's a good scene. It's yeah. Now, I'm pretty sure, sh- I, I don't know what our segments are this season, because we're recording so far in advance right now. So I don't know if we have a which this show should be instead segment, like we did during the Peter Pan season. In fact, we probably don't because we should save that for the hell season. But what this show should be instead is a mother-daughter revenge road trip with the two of them. Yeah, no, it should be Kill Bill with Maleficent and Lily. Oh my god, that would be so good. Like, uh... Kill David and Mary Margaret. (laughs) I can get behind that. Yeah. And you know that thing with Kill Bill, right? Where uh, he had an ambiguous plan with the girl who played Vivica Fox's daughter. Yeah, they. Where when she they they filmed you with uh, Quentin Tarantino. You mean yeah? They yeah. filmed her scenes. Did you see Kill Bill? I did not. Uh, there's a scene early on in Kill Bill where, uh, in seeking out her revenge, Uma Thurman kills one of the other assassins, and that assassin's daughter witnesses the murder. Like, Vivica Fox was one of the assassins who um, killed everyone at uh, Uma Thurman's wedding party, including her mm-hmm. husband, and beat her into a coma. And she wakes mm-hmm. up and she's getting revenge on the uh, four assassins mm-hmm. and Bill, who ran the company. Right. And after she kills Vivica Fox, she says to the daughter, you know, if you're sore about this and you come after me later when you're an adult, I understand. And Quentin Tarantino wants to do Kill Bill 3, where the daughter, mm-hmm. as a grown-up, comes and kills... Uh, 
kiddo. Uh, comes and kills Beatrix's kiddo. Uma Thurman. And because Vivica Fox had retired from being an assassin and had just uh, been raising her daughter in the suburbs. and you know. Okay. And he filmed the scenes with that girl... At that time. At that time, and uh-huh. wants to use that actress now that she's an adult. I don't know if that'll ever happen, but that's yeah. the plan. That's a good idea, though. Yeah, I mean, he could just use a different actress. <gasps> I, I know, that would be disloyal to the... Okay, well, so... George Lucas asked uh, asked Mark Hamill if he would be interested in doing a mentor thing X years in the future after Star Wars ended, which is what ended up happening. Mm-hmm. So. Although he said no at the time. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny what a, what a few decades does. Okay, Independence Day. The new Independence Day movie. Oh, speaking of Mae Whitman, right? Okay, so in the original Independence Day movie, the daughter of the president is played by a young Mae Whitman in one of her first roles. And in the sequel that they just recently did, the daughter is a main character, and it is not played by Mae Whitman. And it's played by a more conventionally attractive actress. And my anger for that knows no bounds. Because May Whitman's still an actress, and she's and she's still attractive. She's, yeah. she's pretty. She's just not like she's short. Tall, yeah, well, they they cast like a tall, skinny blonde girl. Which okay. Sure. So by the way, she was per like I I have some issues with some of the casting in the Scott Pilgrim movie. Mostly just Michael Sarah is not Scott Pilgrim, <laughs> but she was pitch perfect casting for Roxy Rocket. Oh my god! Yeah, I do love her there. I love her in everything she's ever been in. Also, Mary Elizabeth Weinstead was bad. It's weird how I like all of the casting in that movie except for the two main characters. But maybe it was... Are we going to do a Scott Pelican podcast later? Uh, Probably not. I do love that movie. Welcome to Canada. (laughs) Uh, So they decide... uh, So Maleficent and Lily hug and they decide to be evil dragon ladies together except they're not going to be on the show ever again so well so we can assume that they're off somewhere being evil scary dragon bitches together which i'd like just a cutaway not even a cutaway just like on the tv in the background they're talking about two dragons messing up chicago or something that would be great but instead we get more schlock with zelina yeah oh and uh zelina is taunting regina because she's pregnant and regina always wanted a child and Regina reminds her that she has Henry and adopted children are real children. Thank you. But this is where Regina's like, yeah, the author is going to retcon you out of the story. I'm definitely not immediately going to change my mind apropos of nothing due to a flashback that has no bearing on what's currently going on. Well, but... Zelina also says that that if you wrote Robin's, if you wrote her out and killed the mother of Robin's baby, Robin Hood would be mad, which should not be the case you wouldn't exist right so he wouldn't know yeah but yeah even, i thought that was odd. even if he did like oh no the lady who raped me didn't exist anymore like she seems to think that robin hood is going to have a protective feeling towards her because she's pregnant with his child and that shouldn't be the case and grossly it kind of is going forward yeah yeah, I thought this scene didn't make a lot of sense. It you're, totally you're doesn't. Right on the money there. Okay. Yeah, this is. I mean, honestly, this scene kind of encapsulates all the stuff that we hate about Zelina going forward, and she's going to continue to be a character until this series ends. Really? Yeah. yeah. For I don't know why I don't. All the way up through the soft reboot, she's going to keep being a character. Wow. Uh, but 
And she's like, you're exactly like our mother because she gave up a baby, me, and now <laughs> you're giving up a baby, the baby I'm pregnant with. And, and Regina's like, you know, these situations are not analogous at all, but whatever. Although, I mean, telling Regina that she's like Cora is kind of like the secret back door to getting her to do what she wants. So Yeah. It's remember, Regina has one button you need to push. Remember way back in season one, that's the button Rumpelstiltskin used. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. That's the secret password for running Regina. Bringing up Cora. Speaking of, uh, so we didn't mention it, but Cora teleported uh, the Sheriff of Nottingham back to wherever he needed to be so he could do his the rest of his story arc with Robin Hood. That's literally completely point. unimportant. Well, yeah, but I'm, I just, he exists later in continuity, so we know that he didn't die in Regina's weird hell dimension. Yeah, and there's absolutely no way the show would have dropped him back into continuity without explaining how it happened. Point. Anyway, this is where Regina says the thing I said before, which is that Cora's plan is to have Regina give birth, kill Regina, and then be the regent to the the new baby. Yeah. And Cora's like, no, but I mean, does it matter? Anyway, uh, Regina drinks some of the infertility juice that somebody (laughs) spiked uh, King Charming's wife's drink with forever ago. Yeah, Regina created the potion that will make her unable to have a baby, and that's what she's going to do. She's just like, screw you, mother. I just will be completely infertile. This doesn't seem like a good plan. This is yeah. so this is so Regina in that it is not a well-thought-out plan. Especially because I know this doesn't get brought up at any point, but uh, Lake Nostos can undo an infertility potion. It's been used to do that like in the show when Snow drank infertility potion. Well, I don't like the fact that I have to say infertility potion so many times, but... <laughs> Also, this is the show. Also, she is the queen. At one point, she probably is going to want an heir. I mean, she doesn't know how things are going to shake out. Maybe don't close that door so, so very firmly. Well, I, it's not. She can just go to, like, Nostos. Or I guess she could just get Rumpelstiltskin to procure a baby for her. Yeah. Anyway, she takes the potion. <laughs> she takes the potion and she's like, oh, my uterus is imploding. This wouldn't be a problem if the Enchanted Forest had magical IUDs. Long-lasting, reversible birth control. <laughs> Just saying. So, now that she's taken the potion, Barbara, uh, Barbara Holmes. Barbara Hershey. Barbara Hershey. Barbara Hershey Seagull. Normally the... Seagull. Barbara Holmes is a local stand-up comedian of great oh, yeah. talent. <laughs> I'm sorry, Barbara Holmes. But uh, she's like, I totally didn't want to do that thing that you said. Bye. Yeah, she's basically just twisting the knife. Because as I said, I'm certain that that's actually what her plan was. So her saying that wasn't my plan and you fucked yourself over for no reason is really just her taunting Regina. And Regina tells her to go back to Wonderland so you can be in the same position you are in season two when we have to wrap up this plot. Even though, like, that doesn't make any sense in the continuity that we know. Why would Cora go back? Max, this... What is time? What? I know I, I've done it so many times in this episode, but it's just so frustrating. Anyway, let's finish up this episode. Yeah. So apparently that flashback made Regina realize that she shouldn't retcon her horrible rapist sister out of continuity because... Uh, sure. I don't know. I couldn't... That made no sense. Because reasons? Because she... Well... 
and she's like, I'm not going to turn my back on you, I guess, now, because... And Robin Hood shows up. So Robin Hood knows about the secret insane asylum underneath the hospital. Apparently. Or he just wandered in. <laughs> like, maybe he had, maybe he had the, maybe he had Life 360 on Regina's phone. And he could just track her the way we track each other. Nurse Ratchet is not doing a very good job. That's all I'm saying. But uh, Regina's like, yeah, so I'm going to, I'm going to make things up to you by... Uh, we're going to raise your baby and you're going to die alone in an insane asylum, so have fun with that. And then Zelina's like, oh, hey, a man is your happy ending. That doesn't sound very empowered. And Regina tries to argue that's not what it is, but I mean, it kind of is what it is. <laughs> and it kind of is what's happening. She's all like, no, it's about belonging. You could have belonged with Henry and Emma. Regina. Didn't have to be with Robin Hood. Yeah, you, you don't need this, dude. And then the author is as sick of all of this nonsense as we are. And he's like, you guys know that you gave me a magic inkwell that lets me change reality, right? Like, the only reason I've been doing everything that you want me to do is because you could all kill me really easily and now you can't. Yep, so he... He writes, the author teleports out of the room. He, he writes. He writes on a piece of paper... Vanishing in a cloud of smoke, the author slips away with the ink to where Rumpel's, to where Mr. Gold awaits. Also, uh, he it, doesn't write in actual writing. He writes in typography. He writes in um, calligraphy. Except he was very clearly not doing that. <laughs> he was very clearly just waving the pen over the paper. and. Okay, number one, it's magic ink. It is magic ink. And, and it's a magic pen. And number two... This is a moment where I love the author because he's like, okay, you guys gave me a weapon. I'm done with your storyline. I'm going to go do my thing with this massive weapon you just handed me. And I hate what he does with it, but I love this moment. This is the this is like the last moment where I can be really excited about what's about to happen as long as I don't know what's about to happen. And uh, what that is, is he vanishes to where Rumpelstiltskin is and... Rumpelstiltskin tells him to get to writing, and he has a book. A book that looks like the Once Upon a Time book that Henry has, but this one is called Heroes and Villains. Uh, so we're on to Generica. You know what? I really like this. I really love this part. I just hate what it ends up being. Because, as Rumpel says, it's time the villains finally win. And then we see the author writing Once Upon a Time. Regina, you can teleport and you know where he's going, but... <laughs> you know what? Unimportant. Episode over. I'm I'm so sorry this is the episode we had you on. <laughs> I mean... <That's> okay. <laughs> you know, it is what it is. It's the mother episode. This is the episode with... This... Where Henry's not in it, like, at all. He hugs Regina and Emma once, and then he just wanders off to go do something else. Maybe they had child labor laws to deal with. Well, he's like 19 at this point. <laughs> so, um, we don't have any segments this week because we don't know what our segments are because we're recording this so very, very far in the past. So, from the past, I guess we should just say that well, we... Well, we do have our standby, uh, our forever... Well, the fashion corner. Fashion corner. Okay. But there wasn't... Did you have anything to talk about? I really, really liked the outfit that Regina was wearing when she was sitting at the desk before her mother put her in the periwinkle nightmare. 
Now that was like an extra in Gone with the Wind. That's what, how it struck me. That is what it looked like. It right. looked like a antebellum bell dress. Yes. yes. But not the one that will really focus your attention. The one that will draw away from the main character. It's yeah. just a background. What a poorer character or Melanie might be wearing. Yeah, when, mm. Yes, oh, definitely what Melanie dang. would be wearing. <laughs> um, I think that we should, since we're recording so far in the past, I think we should say what we think is happening in the future right now. Because I think it's probably fairly likely that the carrots have taken over. Remember when the carrot people attacked? Uh, I'm hoping that uh, we're going to go to a more moderate place in the country. (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm very, very restricted by the fact that I can't just have a list of politicians I hope are dead by the time we (laughs) can. (laughs) So... You know what? I don't have hopes for the future. I hope the future is there. I hope the future is there by the time this comes out. I'm sorry, but that's where we're at now as a country, as, as a planet. Yeah. So hopefully there's time for this episode to drop. <laughs> so uh, if you like our show and would like to help us out, a rating review on iTunes. It's a good way to help other people discover us. If you would like to talk about this episode, you can head over to our Facebook page, facebook.com slash I Love Television Zines. Uh, we can also be contacted at I Love TV Zines at Twitter or at uh, I Love Television Zines at gmail.com. If you would like to donate to our Patreon or listen to past episodes, you can do so at our website, I Love Television Zines.com. So uh, thank you for being on the show. Thank you for asking me. And uh, until next time, I'm Max. And I'm Tina. And this has been Welcome to Storybrooke.